0: Hi, you're listening to ReachMDXM233, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Andrew Krakowski, your host of Boondocks Medicine. With me today is Catherine B. Andrews, JD, Assistant General Counsel for the Air Transport Association of America. She's based out of Washington, D.C., and today we're going to be talking to her about Good Samaritan laws and how they apply to travelers in the air. How are you doing Ms. Andrews?
1: I'm just fine, thank you.
0: So, this is a unique perspective for us and and uh, our Boondocks listeners because normally we speak to healthcare providers in relation to wilderness and travel medicine issues, but today we're speaking with you. Your your background if you could go into it a little bit, I believe is is of a legal one, is that correct?
1: I'm a lawyer and I represent the major passenger and cargo airlines in the US through the Air Transport Association, which is a trade group based in Washington D.C. And as part of my work, I advise our medical committee, which is made up of the airline doctors, occupational health specialists, and others who work with medical professionals in the context of air travel. And over the course of uh, five or six years, I have come to learn quite a bit about medicine, and health care in the air through working with that group.
0: And can you give us a couple examples of how you've worked with medical professionals or, or learned a little bit about medicine in the past?
1: Well, I think the crash course was during the SARS outbreak in 2003. Up until that time, airlines had dealt with medical incidents generally on a, a one-by-one, case-by-case basis. But with the outbreak of SARS, it became very clear that we were dealing with a volume of potential incidents that we were not very well equipped to handle. Luckily we had a good relationship with the CDC. We were able to tap into that and with their assistance develop some protocols for identifying and reporting suspected cases of SARS and then working with the CDC to follow up with passengers who may have been exposed to somebody who was contagious during a flight. Thankfully, we were able to assist the CDC in doing that contact tracing. And, of course, in the United States, we were fortunate that we did not have any widespread outbreaks. But air travel clearly played a role in that outbreak. And as we look forward to the potential of a pandemic, again, clearly air travel would play a role in that as well. And so we've been very active and working with the CDC and other agencies in pandemic planning.
0: And when you say before that we were not prepared in terms of the equipment, was that literally the equipment or really just the entire system's approach to to managing something like a SARS outbreak?
1: It really was more a matter of information sharing than medical equipment. We didn't have a very efficient means of identifying people who may have been exposed while traveling uh, to a, a disease like SARS. We have greatly improved our ability to collect that information and provide it to CDC or other public health authorities. And as a result of the work that we've done over the past several years with CDC, in the recent incident involving the gentleman with the the XDR-TB, CDC was able to much more quickly follow up and contact passengers who might have been exposed on the same flight that he took.
0: And are you able to speak about that case at all in terms of what you what your your knowledge about it is?
1: In that case, it was not our members who were involved in transporting the individual, so I can't speak directly to how that transpired. I do know that CDC worked with the airlines in question to identify the other passengers who were thought to be at the greatest risk of exposure within two rows of the individual who was traveling.
0: Do we have an an estimate of how many actual individuals that was? Four, five, six, seven? It
1: was over 100 because he was on a couple of flights. And I think they, they actually went beyond the protocols to contact people who were outside of the range of what was thought to be the highest risk purely as a precautionary measure. And because the case got so much attention in the media, they were concerned that people might be apprehensive and and want to be reassured.
0: And were there any identified individuals who were made sick or became sick as a result of a contagious process, or or have we not found that out yet?
1: I think it's too soon to know. The work that was done back in the 90s on the transmission of tuberculosis on board aircraft suggests that there's a very, very small risk of actually contracting it during a flight Um, and that risk is pretty much limited to the people in the immediate vicinity of the infectious individual in this case what they did was to contact people who were in the same row and I think two rows ahead and two rows behind and have them tested as a baseline test so that if they later developed uh, a positive TB test that that might have been from exposure to this individual Obviously, further testing would be required to really determine that. But I think that it is unlikely that anybody really was infected during those flights based on what I've heard about this individual's level of contagion. But, uh, you know, again, as a precautionary measure and because of the seriousness of that A particular strain of TB. I think that uh, CDC wanted to go above and beyond what they might do in an ordinary circumstance.
0: Can you talk a little bit about what that is on both an ordinary circumstance level and a tuberculosis level? How how does your group or airlines in general interact with the CDC, both in training the people who are on the airlines as staff, pilots and, and stewards and stewardesses versus other airport personnel? How are they trained to approach a problem like this?
1: Well, typically, somebody who is ill is going to either self-identify by asking for assistance or will have symptoms that are observable, even to somebody who is not a medical professional. And flight attendants, as well as some of the airport personnel, even customs officials, are trained to be on the lookout for common signs of communicable diseases, somebody who appears to be feverish, has a a rash, signs of jaundice. Those are the kinds of things that they are asked to look out for. Obviously, they're not in a position to make a medical diagnosis. So what they are trained to do is if they see somebody who appears to be exhibiting those kinds of symptoms or simply appears to be in medical distress, they then will contact somebody who can provide medical care and a better assessment of what the condition might be. Now, if that's at the airport, and if it's at one of the 19 U.S. airports that have a CDC quarantine station located there, they're able to bring in some public health officers and and possibly medical officers as well. In the air, obviously, it's a little more difficult. Typically, an airline will have an arrangement with a medical provider, either within their own company or by contract with Mayo Clinic, for example. There's a company called Medair. There are a number of different companies that provide this kind of service, and they are able to establish communication with the flight attendants or the cabin crew and help the individual who is in the air with the, the ill passenger kind of walk through what the symptoms are, direct them to ask certain questions, of the person or of the, the person's traveling companions to try and narrow down what it might be. And then if it is something that is suspected to be communicable, the airlines do have a requirement, a, a regulatory requirement, to report that to public health officials.
0: Wonderful. Well, you're listening to Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Andrew Kurkowski, your host of Boondocks Medicine, and I'm speaking with Miss Catherine Andrews, who's the assistant general counsel for the Air Transport Association of America based out of Washington, D.C. Today, we're discussing Good Samaritan laws as they apply to air travel as well as other medical legal aspects of air travel and, and its pertinence to travel medicine. Well, you just mentioned the importance of notifying, does that apply to the passengers who are on the plane? What What is the legal requirements of airlines to tell fellow passengers that they may have been exposed?
1: The way the system is set up, the obligation is for the airline to notify public health authorities. Typically, that's CDC. In some cases, it may be a state public health authority or another country's public health authorities. And then it is up to the public health authorities to contact other passengers. And that is in part to protect people's privacy, but also because the airlines are not in a position to provide any medical advice. That way the public health authorities can best advise somebody who might have been exposed, whether there is prophylactic treatment, whether there's any need to get any testing done. For example, in the case of TB, they might be advised to get a baseline test to determine whether if they do develop TB later on, try and pinpoint the time of contagion, or whether there are certain symptoms that they should be on the lookout for and seek medical treatment if they develop. For example, a fever or a rash might be something that people wouldn't necessarily think to immediately seek medical treatment for.
0: It seems to me like they're, in, in at least in my mind... A lot of times what the media picks up on are, are the sort of a harbinger of deaths, diseases, t- tuberculosis, SAR. But how about more common things like if you're sharing a headrest? Are there incidents of just simple transmission of lice, for example, that people are told later on that, hey, there's a good chance you probably got this off of the airplane? Does that happen a lot or is it just something that there's a system in place that happens when people get off the airplane that to clean these and, and make sure things like just simple problems like that aren't being – spread and occur on a more daily basis.
1: I'm not sure about that. I certainly haven't heard of cases where lice have been traced to a, an aircraft seat, although I, I suppose anything is possible. I think, obviously, the most commonly transmitted illness on board planes is the most commonly transmitted illness anywhere. And sure, that's the colds. Cold. Yep, absolutely. And we all know that the easiest way of, of transmitting a cold is through hand-to-mouth contact. People cough cover their mouth with their with their hand and then touch and that's something that's probably unavoidable in any public space. I will say that your chances of catching something like that on an airplane are probably slightly less than in most public spaces because of the very very low humidity on board aircraft uh, which is inhospitable to most germs as well as the way that the air circulation patterns work on aircraft. The the air circulates side to side laterally in very small areas rather than front to back or you know through the whole plane so you're not necessarily breathing in the uh, the germs that the person five rows in front of you might be emitting but that said anytime you're in a in a space with other people you're obviously exposed to whatever pathogens they might be carrying the ones we worry about most are the ones that have the severe health consequences.
0: There's nothing worse than getting in your seat and just watching the person come down the aisle that's coughing (laughs) and sneezing. You've got eight tissues already out and you just know they're sitting next to you for the six-hour flight back to Philadelphia.
1: If you look at the CDC's guidance, the one thing that they will say over and over again about how to stay healthy, whether you're traveling or just out and about in your community, is wash your hands, cover your cough, You know, it's the same stuff that your mother told you, and it's still good advice. That's no different when you're traveling than anywhere else.
0: I want to thank Ms. Catherine Andrews, Assistant General Counsel for the Air Transport Association of America. She's been discussing good Samaritan laws as they apply to air travel. Today on Boondocks Medicine, I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Krakowski. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.